In today's episode, we're focusing on a critical aspect of retirement planning, healthcare costs. How well prepared are you to handle medical expenses after you retire? We'll discuss everything from Medicare complexities to strategies for managing unexpected health-related expenses. Tune in as we break down the essentials of healthcare financial planning for retirees. A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Happy 2024 to everybody. The new year is here. Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group. Welcome to the new year, Scott. How are you? I am doing great. And you know what? Before you ask, I make no New Year's resolutions anymore. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I knew you were thinking that. That's why we're not doing it on the show today. We were like, enough of that. We're not doing them anymore. <laughs> because, you know, like you say, I'm going to the gym, I work out, I'm, you know, going to lose 100 pounds, you know, all that. But you know what? It just, uh, yeah, I never, never work well with the New Year's resolutions. Yeah. We're just going to throw them out the window this year and not worry about them too much. So I, I yeah. like that. I like you, I just Scott. live my life day to day, Walter. I'm with you on that 100%. Let's use that as our guiding light today. Uh, how how were the holidays? Did you get through everything okay and, uh, and, and enjoy Christmas and New Year's and all that good stuff? Absolutely. It was it was fantastic. Had the whole family in. All my all my girls were home for uh, Christmas. And uh, you know what? We didn't, uh, you know, last year we weren't able to have everybody together because, you know, one of my daughters who works at the hospital had a shift, and uh, but this year we were able to get everybody together, so it was great. Makes you very thankful for those times when everybody can be in the same place at the same time, because yeah. you're not always guaranteed that every year, so nice nice when it works out that way. We unfortunately were missing a few of our family members. We had a few folks on the East Coast come down with COVID and then ended up having to miss some of the family gatherings, so a little bit of a bummer on uh, on that side of things but everybody's feeling feeling good overall but just uh, yeah got to you know traveling all the way from the west coast to the east coast it was kind of a bummer to not be able to see everybody when you make that big of an effort on the trip so yeah well you you just you, you move too far away walter that's well that's part part of the problem yeah exactly <laughs> but uh, oh oh well they'll have to come out and visit us i guess that'll be the that's solution. right i do have one quick thing for you before we uh, hop into our healthcare conversation that'll be our first topic of 2024 um just because i know you're a big like decorations guy when it comes to uh halloween and then christmas and everything so yeah we our neighborhood made the news for our wow. christmas decorations Somebody in the neighborhood got this bright idea that everybody on the on the street in the neighborhood should get a 20-foot Santa Claus inflatable and put it in their front yard. And the whole street went ham, and we had an army of Santas all the way down the street in the neighborhood. Wow, and that is cool. The news came out and covered it, and then we had nothing but mayhem for like the last two weeks leading up to Christmas, where every evening we would have a stream of cars from all over the place <laughs> coming to see the the army of Santas, and they would drive you know two miles an hour down the road, and it was, right. it was causing all sorts of traffic problems. Like it was insane. 
So so where so how many houses are on your street? So it's like twenty, probably twenty five on the okay. on the on the, like the main street that participated, and then and then that street sort of bends onto the street where our house is. So okay, yeah, okay. So we were we were at the end of the line, if that makes sense. We're on the we're one of the final two houses of the of the participating uh, like swath of of homes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So you had a big twenty foot sand on your front yard. We did not. Uh, so oh. we we were not participants for most of the uh, of the time uh, because we're not on Facebook, and that's where all the organization <laughs> happened for uh. all of this. So Connie and I were really surprised. We just came out one day, and all these Santas had popped up. And we were like, "What in the world is going on?" And uh, one of our neighbors uh, wanted to join in on the fun. They had bought a Santa that was too small. However, mm-hmm. theirs was only nine feet tall. So they went back, bought a much bigger Santa, and gave us their small Santa. And so we did put a small Santa. If I mean, nine feet is still pretty tall, but we, we, yeah. we did put a nine-footer out there just to join in on the fun. So. It was a, you, were, you were like the little kid of the group, the, yeah. the little Santa. We were the little Santa. Before we got the Santa, it was actually kind of entertaining because we basically had like a little tiny minion out there, uh, inflatable mm-hmm. minion. I, I, I don't know why. I like the minions. And so we have like a minion one for Halloween and then another min- minion one for Christmas. But mm-hmm. he's got this like frown on his face because he's wearing like reindeer antlers, just like the dog in the Grinch, I right. think is what it's trying to capitalize on. So he's looking all disgruntled. And because we're at the end of the line, it's like you see these 30 Santas and then you get to our house and it's a little two foot tall minion and he's got a big scowl on his face. Like, what is <laughs> like, what, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Bah humbug. Walter. Yeah, it was a very bah humbug kind of thing. But we eventually <laughs> converted and got a, got, a, got a Santa in the yard too. So I like it. I, I like it. That's it. cool. I'll send, you the, I'll send you the link so you can see what the uh, yeah. street looked like. But yeah, it was pretty funny to see the traffic jams at night and be like, this is crazy. I can't even get into my house. There's so many people here looking at it. But. <laughs> Fun, uh, fun to participate and have a, a lively neighborhood that likes, uh, I guess, just getting into the holiday spirit so much. And so hopefully yes. everybody else had a good time as well. Well, you teed us up nicely for our big conversation of the day, Scott. We've also got a listener question we're going to answer a little later on in the show, of course, as well, uh, about donating to charity and tax law changes and things like that. Uh, Dan, uh, kind of a, it's more of an end-of-year question that Dan had, but I think the question will still apply to us as we are approaching tax season here. And we're going to be talking in our Getting to Know You segment about things that make your day better. So all that's coming up on the show today. But let's start with this healthcare conversation, Scott, and um, let's just talk about, I guess, as a scene setter here, how mm-hmm. prepared the average pre-retiree is for handling the healthcare costs that they're going to face in retirement. So we know we're going to have this need. How prepared are people as they approach retirement? Well, I think you know most people that come into my office really aren't prepared for the the dollar amount that that healthcare is eventually going to cost them in retirement. They they may have some family, may have talked to some friends and know some people, and they're like, yeah, you know, I got these prescription drugs I'm paying for, all this stuff. So most people are underprepared for that cost through retirement. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all about how much when you plan, you have to take into account that cost of that health care. You can't just gl- glance over it. What a lot of people do is they prepare their budgets for retirement and they'll say, okay, well, we've got, you know, we got to pay for, you know, a car payment, we got groceries, you got all this stuff. And they usually are going to forget about that health care. So, and that's going to be quite a large chunk. I mean, just getting a supplement or something like that, you know, that's going to run 300 something dollars a month right there for that. 
And, and then obviously, you know, there's going to be deductibles and prescription costs and things you're going to have to account for. And most people, you know, they, they shoot that number way too low. What we do is we look at right in the neighborhood when the, in a retiree first starts, about six to $7,000 a year we set aside for health care, separate from all their other expenses. And then we run it up at a higher rate of inflation than everything else. We'll run that up at like a 7% inflation rate or something like that so that we've got excess as far as from a cash flow need to take care of that retirement. Makes a lot of sense that uh, you'd kind of see a, a little bit of a spectrum there in terms of preparation and the direction that you guys start launching off into to try and help people get better prepared for mm-hmm. this big planning issue. So uh, let's dive in a little bit more here. If people are trying to be prepared, what are some of the most common healthcare related expenses that have the biggest impact on a retiree's wealth? Where are people kind of getting dinged the most? Well, you know what, we all, you hear about it all the time in the news, the rising costs of prescription drugs, and that that's obviously a biggie. You know, there are a lot of clients that we have of our firm that are spending, you know, $1,000 plus a month in prescription drugs. That's on the high side, obviously, but, you know, those costs, those prescription drugs, you get on, you know, whatever ailment you have, you happen to get on one of those prescriptions, you know, that's really expensive. And, you know, all of a sudden you got $300 a month, you're paying for just that one drug. And then you end up having more and more and more and more. So prescription drugs is a big part of that too. Obviously, if something happens and, you know, you you start diminishing, long-term care is obviously something that's devastating for a lot of families, whether, you know, you and it's not just going into a full-blown nursing home. Just having the cost of home health care, having, you know, maybe assisted living or daycare or these different services that may be needed as you get older, they're all going to have a cost to them. There's always going to be those emergencies that pop up, you know, where, where, you know, you have to take a trip to the emergency room and then you got those deductibles and all the things that you need to pay for. Some of the plans, you know, depending on the plan you have, you may have zero deductible on certain things. A lot of the times when you get talking about emergency rooms, you don't necessarily have that, you know, that deductible there. So there's a lot of those costs that start to build up in there. Then you're going to have things, too, you know, that are going to pop up that that aren't going to be covered by anything. You know, hearing aids, very expensive, not covered by the majority of any type of insurance coverage at all. That's just an example of something that, you know, you may need it at some point in time, and there's going to be a, a large cost associated with that. Yeah, a lot of these things will pop up and uh, really hurt your budget and your bottom line if you don't have a plan in place to deal with them uh, when they come along. Now, I know that a lot of people think, all right, so I really need to account for this long-term care issue because so many people are going to face it in retirement. We could drop all sorts of stats about that. Uh, but unfortunately, the uh, the odds are not in our favor when it comes to you know you or your spouse needing that care at some point later on in life. So, Oh, I just go get long-term care insurance that I'm all taken care of. So what's your general advice for people about whether or not to buy that type of insurance? Well, Walter, everybody that comes through the doors here at Skybox Financial Group, we create the Worry-Free Retirement Blueprint Forum. And one of those sections of that blueprint is talking about long-term care and risk management and insurance. With everybody 
that I, I talk to, I have that conversation about long-term care. It doesn't need, it doesn't mean you need to buy insurance, but we need to have a plan. Are you going to self-fund? Are we going to set aside some money, you know, so that we can pay for that later on? Or do we look at buying some of those insurance? Because everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. Like you said, we know the stats. We know that there's a high likelihood that when a, with a husband and a wife, that one of them, possibly both of them, are going to need to have some type of you know, long-term care need. And that may be home health care, assisted living, you know, the uh, full-blown nursing home, adult daycare. Those are things that are covered by long-term insurance because those things are not covered by Medicare. So you, know, you have to have that conversation. And then if you go with the insurance route, there's different options you can go. And long-term care insurance, I always say, is kind of a la carte because you can get like the Cadillac of coverage that covers everything for a high dollar amount and you won't have to pay a cent. But that's gonna cost you a huge premium every year. Or maybe you scale back and, and you say, okay, well, you know, this is what we can afford. This is a type of coverage that fits into that. Maybe it covers half of the cost of the nursing home. Well then, you know, don't forget, we've also still have social security and other income streams coming in to fill in that other gap. So don't ever feel that you need to cover the whole cost of a full-blown nursing home. You just need to look at covering a part of it or a big chunk of it just to help with that cash flow and to make sure that your assets aren't completely diminished with a longer stay in that facility. Good nuances to know of there, and that's why long-term care becomes a big portion of this healthcare conversation and really of retirement and financial planning as a whole. So another really good one to mention and highlight on the show today. So maybe let's bring it home with, uh, with this element, Scott. What kind of strategies do you put in place at Skybox Financial Group when you take a look at people's healthcare situations uh, to try and account for these various costs in their healthcare plans? What other tools do you have kind of in the belt to help with this? Yeah. So first, like I said, we, we when we create a, a income strategy for a client, we keep that healthcare cost separately, and we run it up at a higher rate of inflation than we do the rest of their expenses. Again, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I'd rather have too much money set aside for healthcare than not enough. So once you kind of know what that cash flow expectation can be. Then when you're structuring your portfolio, you need to provide for that income. So if you said, I'm going to need $5,000 a month to live on, and then we're going to have to throw that health care on top of that, again, to make sure we've got enough. And then you adjust the portfolio to be able to generate that income so that you can comfortably have that income to pay for those health care costs. You also are going, we, we, we talk about having a little safety net. For those emergencies, I call it the roof blows off the house money. Money you could just run and grab for those emergencies that pop up on the healthcare side. The other thing we do for is every year with our clients, uh, we have an opportunity for them, we have an outside service that we work with to review their Medicare coverage, their supplement coverage. And we go through and we help them and make sure that they know the difference you know, between you know, Part B, Part C, the supplements, the prescription drug coverage, 
you know, do we get a Medicare Advantage plan that's going to throw in dental? There's a lot of little pieces and parts to all this, and we help our clients work through that. But one of the big, big, big things that everybody listening can do now, not everybody, but if you have the availability to put money into an HSA account, a health savings account, not an FSA, not a flexible spending account, but an HSA, this is money that you can accumulate and use tax-free to pay for those medical expenses in retirement. So just think about that. It's the only triple tax-free investment vehicle out there. You get a tax deduction putting the money in, you get a tax, it grows tax-free, and then you get it's tax-free coming out when you pay for medical expenses. And you can fund this while you're still working, and there's limits on the amount that you can put in, and you also have to have an HSA-eligible healthcare plan at work, or if you're buying it yourself, it has to be HSA-eligible. But if you put in as much as you can every year into that, you can keep it through retirement, you can even invest it in mutual funds or different types of investments, and then you can use that to pay for healthcare costs in your retirement. So I encourage everybody to, to fund those HSA accounts. Excellent. Yeah, it's super helpful, I think, for a lot of people to have these extra resources along the way. You can tap into some of these things in advance as you are um, you know, planning for your retirement in the beginning. And then even if you're already retired, there's still a lot of things that you can do to help curb the costs of health care and make sure it's not something that's going to mess up and ruin your financial plan. If you've got questions about health care and want to talk about it here in the new year, about how it fits into your overall planning process, pick up the phone and give Scott a call at 888 888- Seven four two zero one eleven, or you can go online to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. We've got lots of great information for you on the website. Listen to past episodes of the show and tap into other resources, or book a call directly with Scott right now. You can go to talkwithscott.net to do that, talkwithscott.net. Doesn't get any easier to remember it than that. And you can schedule a time to meet from your smartphone or computer at a time that is convenient for you. And we'll link to all that in the description of today's show, so check that out. All right, that's healthcare. Let's get into getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show with our question of the week. It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, this one's a good one to start off the new year with. What's a small thing that makes your day better? A small thing that makes my day better. Well, you know what? What's that saying? Uh, every day you wake up is a great day. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but exactly. uh, we'll look past that one. Okay, okay? all right. That's uh, too easy. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? And I don't know how easy this is or, is or not, but my every day when I get up, my day is so much better when I actually work out or exercise in the morning. I, I love doing it. I, I work out. I worked out this morning, went on the exercise bike. But it just... I feel better throughout the day when I do that every morning. And I don't do it every morning. I'm bad on the weekends and, you know, all that. But during the week when I when I work out in the morning, it makes my day so much better. That's great. That's a really good one to pick out. So Yeah. And and when you notice and you, you have that difference maker, then you're like, okay, yeah, so I'm going to keep doing it. I see the difference it's making. It just makes it hopefully a little bit easier to do, right? Right. And, and I get up earlier when I do that. Yeah. So I, I like starting my day earlier. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I get up and have a cup of coffee, 
you know, then I, then I, I work out, then I'll eat breakfast. And it's kind of, you know, I have my little routine and I start early and then get in the office and I feel like I've already accomplished something by the nice. time I even start my day. I like that. I, I feel like it's a cop out if I pick a, pick a cup of coffee as my makes the day a little bit better. But it does. There's just something nice about that first cup of coffee of the day. I just enjoy it. And I, don't, I, don't, I, I try not to be one of those people that's like, I have to have my f- cup of coffee or else I can't function. But like it, it clearly is just a on days when I don't have it, it's like, ah, oh, it would have been nice to have today. You know, like well, when we're traveling or something, it might be hard to get that typical cup that you get or something. It's like, yeah, I wish I had it. It's a nice way to start the day. Just makes it a little, little better to start things off with. Well, Walter, if I remember correctly, you make a pilgrimage every day to get your coffee. This is true. You are correct. So it's part of a routine yeah, it really, is. for you, too. And, and not only do I get the coffee and come right back home, but I park and look at the mountains out here in Colorado. I've got a, a little spot right near the coffee shop that I go and I park. And then I'll, you know, listen to music or, you know, or listen to a podcast or whatever. And I'll usually it's around sunrise. So I'm seeing the sun come up in, in the first light of the day, hitting and lighting up those mountains. And that's why I drink the coffee then. So, yeah, that's my that makes the day every day a little bit better. That's a small thing that adds to yeah. it. Yeah. So. See, it's more to it than just a cup of coffee. Than I just think it's that coffee. whole experience, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's the whole experience. Yeah. You got it. I like that. My dad likes to make fun of me whenever I say it's about the experience. And he's like, oh, you millennials, you're always about the experience of something (laughs) (laughs) like well yes i'm okay i'll own that sure why not (laughs) hey it makes me feel better exactly good stuff all right that's getting to know scott a little bit better on the show now we get to know you some more with a great question from one of our listeners it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you this question comes to us from Dan. Now, technically, this question came to us uh, before we turned the calendar page to 2024, but I think the question still applies here, Scott, in general. We talk about uh, giving and maybe tax changes and all that kind of good stuff because tax season will be here before we know it, and uh, this question will still apply. So Dan says, I've always donated to several different charities at the end of each year. But since the tax laws changed a few years ago, it seems that I didn't benefit uh, from a tax standpoint. Am I missing something here, or does it really not help my taxes anymore? And he did say, yes, I realize there's other reasons to give to charity other than tax breaks. But, yeah, kind of that, that benefit seemed to go away a little bit with those tax changes is what Dan has noticed here. Well, Dan, first of all, sorry for getting to this after the new year. But, you know, the reality Hopefully is— Hopefully you that, still gave, Dan. And uh, <laughs> Yes, and but— you know, this advice is something that we can utilize for next year, too. So, you know, obviously, like you said, there's a lot of different reasons to give to charity. But it used to be when we were itemizing stuff and we didn't have this large standard deduction on our taxes that we could actually, you know, you could itemize, collect those receipts, get all that, you know, those little $500 charitable donations, those, you know, $30. You'd start adding them up and you'd be able to write that off your taxes. Well, since the tax laws changed in 1997, I mean, two, uh, 1997, geez, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They did not change that long ago, Dan. We're going to go with 2017. Um, you know, what that did now is that we have these large standard deductions. So the reality is, you know, depending on your age and stuff, you're going to have to get in excess of over $20,000 in contributions to be able to write those off. Now, some people that maybe have a lot of mortgage interest and, and medical expenses and things they're able to write off get above that dollar amount, then 
you know, they, the charitable donations are, are going to be beneficial. But a lot of the times there's different ways we can work around this too. So for instance, a lot of people will pull, pull together their charitable contributions you know every couple years so let's just say you know instead of giving every year to your charity you do it every two or three years and you make a larger amount then you might be able to write that off and get the adva tax advantages of that another thing you can utilize are donor advised funds that will allow you to make a larger contribution now and and take that write off in one tax year but then have that money go to the charities over a period of time. So you're able to get that big hit and get that tax deduction for it. And again, you know, that money still goes to the charities over time. Making those charitable contributions aren't as beneficial as they used to be from a tax standpoint before the tax law changes, but there's still ways you can do it. You can get some benefit from it. And you know what, Dan, it just makes you feel good inside that you give some money to a charity. That's great stuff. Great question, Dan. Thanks for sending that one in to us and love getting these questions each episode here. So never hesitate to reach out with those. You can submit them online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Uh, or again, you can always get in touch with Scott directly to ask your questions if you don't want to have it featured here on the show and you just want to talk one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you can go to talkwithscott.net and schedule your time for that one-on-one -on -one visit. Uh, with Scott and the team at Skybox Financial Group. Talkwithscott.net, your place to visit. All the contact info you need is in the description of today's show. Well, Scott, there we go. First show of the new year in the books. Thanks for all the help, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to a great new year, Walter. Yep, same here. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.